Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the On A Mission podcast. This one is going to be amazing. I'm really excited because I am joined by another superstar, the King of Seals, the phenomenal Matt Elwell. Now, if you've not heard of Matt, he is an international public speaker. He's a best-selling author. The book, Open With A Close, you've got to check it out if you haven't already. He's a director and co-founder of the Elite Closing Academy with my good friend, Nick James, who's also been on the podcast. Now, this man is literally on a mission to revolutionize not just how we do seals, but how we perceive seals having literally went from cold calling to brokering multi-million pound deals across the globe what this man doesn't know about selling isn't worth knowing so welcome Matt. Morning thank you so much I mean what a builder I better be good. (laughs) Well this is it now this is pretty much the crescendo so it's downhill from here yeah. (laughs) You know when I look at you Matt I see you know larger than life you're always so cool calm collected Mr Charisma have you always been like that? Well, firstly, thank, I mean, thank you. That's it's a hell of a compliment. I mean, probably like everybody else, you know, I have to work, particularly in, in business, I have to work really hard uh, at uh, everything we do, don't we? So, yeah, it's uh, have I always been like that? I've always loved groups of people and I've always been like involved with sports and clubs. And yeah, so I suppose I've always I've always enjoyed, um, yeah, chewing the fat getting to know people, chatting away. That's my my personality profile, really. So, first, I suppose, you know, just to, to sort of fast forward a little bit, is that a prerequisite for selling, having this sort of more extroverted persona, or can anyone be good at sales? That is an absolute perler of a question. Um, and do you know something? I think that the more the more I see different personality types, uh, come to trainings, uh, more, more I see people actually listen to people selling and hear people selling, watching, observing. Do you know something? I'm like, I'm 50-50 on this because I think, look, let's be honest. I think there are certain personality types that definitely are more outgoing. In in uh, the Empire Group and Elite Closing Academy, you know that we use disc profiling and personality profiling for all of our staff ourselves and and so we're well into that that side of thing and certainly in our sales team Ellie uh, generally generally the the personality profile we're looking for would be an outgoing person but also someone that can get results stick to numbers and and, and be a bit task driven or results driven so I think on that on that sense I think definitely outgoing results driven I think it's a great personality having said that um I think the way the way humans sell in the 21st century, particularly people that have got, you know, got some skills, you don't have to be all outgoing and talking and chatty. And I think the gift of the gab and stuff like that is really something of the 70s and 80s. So I think, look, if you're in, if you're determined, um, if you've got a big purpose in your business, a, a real strong reason why you want your business to do well, if you're looking to make a difference in business and make a difference on the planet, so to speak, then I think as long as you're not open to learning, but as long as you're wanting to learn how to sell professionally, I think any personality can do it. I really do. You know, it's really interesting. I just had the privilege of interviewing Barry Hearn the other day, and we were talking not about selling, but we were talking about the importance of having a brand or having a bit of a profile now more so than ever with sports or with any industry. But 
he he was talking about adapting that to the different personality profiles and how um, his best friend to this day and pretty much where he started his career was with his relationship with Steve Davis, the world champion, and who was um, notoriously boring. But that yeah. became his brand rather than trying to be somebody that he wasn't. It was about doubling down on those attributes that he already had and sort of remaining authentic to him. And yeah. that that almost became the USP in its own right. That is really interesting. R right now, Ellie, um, the, the sort of key area of growth in, in my company is actually personal brand. And and it's it's a really interesting thing you brought up there. Um, and, of course, a big Steve Davis fan, uh, a big snooker fan, and that's interesting here. But at my end, um, when I started this company, it's our four-year anniversary today. Oh! Today. It's been sort of over the last few days. And uh, Nick and I started the company in August 2018. And I, I initially um, was was new to sort of Nick's world, the events industry, and live events and that kind of stuff. And I was very like, oh, I don't really want to put myself out there, but I feel like I've got some inf information that could really help businesses grow quite quickly. So I built this company on the results of other people and hoped that they would shout from the rooftops um, about, you know, the kind of results, my formula, my philosophy, that kind of stuff. And, and to a certain extent, I think that served us really well. But what I've learned and what I've, you know, what I've sort of observed as well is that that actually it is important for, for, for me now to get across um, how we teach and, and to get across the way we teach on a camera and and that's that's been really challenging. I feel like the team and I are just getting there with this now. We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes because it is raw, it is authentic, it is about human to human interaction. The way I teach, and I've I've I've, I've kind of shied away from getting that across on online and and through branding. That's really interesting. So, what do you think was limiting that belief then? Yeah. Well, firstly, I think um, a fear of um, of what I'd seen and, and you know, I listened to an interview, um, you know, with you recently with, with Mike and, and you were talking very much about uh, what well, the, the whole subject of people selling from stages and presenter. All of that world was, was completely new to me. And, 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 you know, just say it as it is, there's definitely some people out there who, you know, I just, it's not good. And, and I'd seen a bit of that. It was all completely new to me. And I didn't want to be a part of that whatever that was. So I, I wanted to be like, like re really sort of real authentic when people work with me one-to-one, -one, give them information that they can actually do. Like the way I teach sales, Ellie, as you know this, um, the way I teach sales is how I've always done it and it's how I do it now. So it's not like I'm not trying to use tricks and persuasion and all that kind of stuff. It's like two humans or two groups of humans uh, having some powerful conversations and looking to come out the other side even strong together is kind of the way I teach it. So it's like, how do you get how do you get that across? And I think I was just quite reluctant to. Um, I, I don't think I knew how to get that across, really. If that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. So what changed then to enable you to get out of your own sort of limiting beliefs and to become the person that you needed to be to make that impact to the wider world? Yeah, good question. Well, I think firstly, training and education and um, talking. Uh, teaching a live audience, uh, we have a training centre, as you know, in Solihull. I saw you there a few weeks ago in the heart of England. 
And, you know, when I've got a group of human beings in a, in a room who are willingly there to learn my techniques and to make them their own and take them back into their businesses and serve other people and grow their business and make sales, it's great. It's nice and easy because I'm an interactor. I'm a human-to-human interactor, um, and that's my personality profile. So I think, firstly, I realised that, particularly during the pandemic, that I've got to up my game. I've got to get better skills. Um online i've got to be able to present better um i've got to be able to speak better into a camera Uh, and i think actually those 18 months of delivering the elite closing academy training sessions on zooms i think like most people i had to improve my skills so that was the first thing um but then also i think secondly it's like if i don't share this information with more people on a bigger stage then all those negative little sales experiences that people are having that that's not going to change so i think it was pushing myself even more because you know over the last two three years we we've got clients now you know outside of the uk all over europe i've got some great clients in america and it's like if i don't get better at, at, at sort of getting myself out there and you know writing the book um and and and, and going through and i know you know what i'm going to talk about going through the experience of of people saying bad things about you online and you know all, all of that stuff is all new to me so I don't think I was particularly well prepared for it um and, and I think it takes time and just time in the saddle to experience those kind of things doesn't it yeah it does but you know what's really interesting as well is because you do the one to many and obviously that's is so impactful but it's not just the big corporates it's not just the big multi seven figure and eight figure and nine figure businesses that you um, actually target. And this is what I found quite interesting, really. It's also people that might not necessarily think that they're your avatar, like your sole trainers or your very small business owners. And something I've heard you speak about before, Matt, is I mean, we're always selling, aren't we? We're constantly selling ourselves and putting ourselves out there, whether we realise it or not. But it's actually having a bit more of a a system and a process to be able to do that. Because I know I certainly fell into this category before. It just wasn't very clear on my offering. I used to be that classic person because it is bespoke as having a property investment business. It would depend on um, how much capital people invested with us, how long uh, the term of that loan was, et cetera, et cetera, whether they were coming in project specific or they wanted to lock in for three, four or five years. But actually by being so, you know, you think that you're being um, personalized in your approach, but actually the message that you're giving a potential client with that sort of attitude is is showing that you're not professional you don't particularly have a a system in place yeah. which can potentially impact how they view the rest of your business not just your sales process even if you're shit hot at all the other elements of your business if you've not got this particular side of it sewn up then it is going to reflect badly on you yeah that's it's a really interesting thing actually isn't it because i think many of us want to make it looks totally bespoke and we'll do anything that you need and all the rest of it the problem is the science, actually, when somebody's buying a product, what they're looking for is like some structure. They're looking for some confidence there. Remember, if someone's going to invest money and time and energy in your product or service, it, like, of course, it's got to be bespoke. And actually, at the same time, what they're looking for is some certainty in the way you respond. And they're looking for some certainty in, in the way it, it feels like. Like, what are you going to be like to deal with? And um, I think... Anybody listening to this, 
if you're somebody that's still, if somebody asks you a simple question in sales, like, like, how does it work? And then for the next 10 minutes, you just rattle off, well, all these ifs and buts and maybes and that. What happens is, whilst they can see you've got good intention and you're probably a nice person, there's, 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 there's systems in our body that go back like thousands of years that's scared of being duped, sold to. There's a lot of mistrust. Whether we like it or not, if you just study a bit of the, and it's well-read science, there's a lot of fear around exchanging money and contracts. So what, what humans are looking for when they're, when they're buying at the moment is they're looking for certainty. They're looking for structure. And by the way, you know, you just mentioned that, you know, with what you do, investing in property is all bespoke. Yeah. And, and what I do is I teach people to, to create a service or a product that's really comprehensive that allows for it to be bespoke uh, and also to search for any trends in the way you deliver the service. So, you know, an example might be, you know, when when you invest with someone, um, one of the like absolute musts, non-negotiables is that you spend half a day looking at the portfolio, looking at the opportunity and have a bespoke strategy conversation, for example. Well, just take that and put it into the offer. So when somebody says, like, what do I get? Well, firstly, when we do some business together, we'll have a strategy call. And during that strategy call, X and Y and Z will happen. Now, that's now a structured answer that can formulate part of a a service that you offer when somebody invests with you, as opposed to, well, it all depends what you have. And perhaps we could do this. We could chat about this. And all depends with it three years or five years. And then you start tossing all that uncertainty in. And the brain literally is like, whoa, okay, there's a lot of uncertainty. And you'll know if this is, uh, you know, if this is going wrong for, for, for you because people start saying, sounds great, let's catch up in the new year. We must get together. We must. So, awesome. I can see the value. Pop it on an email. We'll catch up. We'll have, we'll Zoom. And then it, it kind of like, I don't know, it just feels like you've got lots of people that you need to catch up with or have coffee with and, and I think there's a place for that, of course. But if you want to get like super on top of your game, then my advice is when somebody says, what is it? How much is it? What do you do? Uh, what do I get? Um, then, then to have some structure to your answers and you'll be amazed two things happen. One, you get rid of like lengthy conversations where people just talk at you with their story. Uh, but also you attract you attract more serious people towards you. And that stands you out, you see, it's what's important. Yeah, and I can see why there's so much resistance towards sales. We, we, okay. If you follow my podcast, Matt, which I know you do, you will know that by the way, there's there's very little structure. I tell you what happens with every single podcast, right? I write down a load of questions. I might as well just get my notepad, chuck it across the room because we're meant to be talking about your backstory at the moment, but. <laughs> But we'll do that at the end. So on a series note, there is still a lot of resistance towards, Not, I'm, I'm not just talking about being sold to, we have a lot of resistance within us to sell. And that's something I've spoke to you about before. And the irony being very much like yourself, I've done the whole cold calling thing. I was a area sales manager for a double glazing company. I mean, it doesn't get much tougher than that. I've even been out with the door-to-door sales team 
just to prove a point, knocking on the doors, having doors slammed in my face. I've been in the houses with the sales kit and actually done the selling of the windows in the house, not just the cold calling. So I definitely have been open to sales as well. But like the Mike Gwinnett interview that you referred to, I think somewhere along the line, I've became quite... I don't know, uh, disgruntled, perhaps. I'm that classic person I love to buy. I hate to be sold to. We see a lot of NLP being used. Hey guys, it's Ellie and I'm super excited to share that I'm partnering up with one of my favourite brands, AG1 by Athletic Green. I'm asked all the time about the one thing that I do to take care of my health. And in reality, there's so many to choose from. But if I could only pick one, it would be Athletic Greens because it ticks so many boxes. Life can get pretty hectic. As a busy mum of three, I know firsthand how easy it is to let your nutrition slip, especially when you're always on the go or traveling. It's easy to neglect the thing that's the most important to us and that's our health. Since I started taking AG1, it's been a game changer. My energy levels have been through the roof. My hair and skin feel amazing, my digestion's improved, and I'm even sleeping better. It's a real deal. The ingredients are sourced from the highest quality producers from around the world. But what I love most about it is that all my nutritional bases are covered with one scoop. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, which means it's replaced a ton of other supplements that was previously taken. It's my secret weapon. It helps me show up as the best version of myself every single day, all from adding one simple habit. But don't just take my word for it. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash on a mission. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash on a mission. Check it out. Not that that necessarily makes uh, the the product or service bad. You know, ultimately NLP was, it's a great technique to be able to um, move people towards a result that should be mutually beneficial when used properly. But we also see things used and abused, don't we? That's one of the things that you and I sort of agree with. And there's a lot of running to the back of the room. The price is this much, but if you buy it within the next 10 seconds, we're going to give you 99.9% off. And I, th I think as someone who's observed and witnessed this from afar, yeah. it, it's somewhere along the line subconsciously, it's made me feel a little bit negative towards yeah. that sales process. And I think what's very interesting, there'll be a lot of business owners that I think will relate to this. You can start running a very successful business, a six-figure business, even a seven-figure business, a multi-seven-figure business without these processes. But there will come a point where you're going to get completely unstuck. You're not going to be able to scale. And the question that you asked me a couple of years ago was, well, this is great that you're raising all this financing, you're doing X, Y, and Z, but what could you be getting if you actually had a process in place? And and after that chat, I actually did some... Matt, do you remember the conversation we had where I said, I don't follow up on any of my client calls? And you just looked at me and you were like, say that again. I was like, no, if they don't want to work with me, if they don't see the value of working for us, then more fool them. We're the lighthouse. We'll stand tall. We'll shine bright and people can come towards us. And you were like, Ellie, are you absolutely insane? You don't even send a follow-up email. Nobody's picking up the phone. And I literally messaged a previous um, 
I used to delete their messages and things, so I wouldn't be tempted. So I wouldn't be tempted. But there was there was one guy that I remembered through LinkedIn. He was a senior barrister, blah, blah, blah. Reached out to him and... Um, yeah, we. He said, "Oh, I'm glad you got back in touch, Ellie, because um, I'm ready to to strike the button." And I think I think it was a mid six figure or a seven figure investor that may or may not came back to us had it not been a little bit more proactive. But I remember you just had your head in your hands. You were like, "What? You have no follow up process? This is insane." I tell you where I learned to do that. I used to have a retail business, family business, and it was what you would call a non essential. It was tiles and bathrooms so like no one's going to die if they don't have a tile or bathroom they can kind of get over it so in in terms of like need unless you've got like a big i don't know like a, a big flood in the house or something generally it's it's a pleasurable ex, um a, a purchase of pleasure really if that makes sense so we had to make sure that we were really good at understanding what people needed um other than the money what were their reasons for buying other than money um, like what were their dreams? What were they trying to achieve? And this, this is how I believe sales should be done. I, I believe sales is like be like a GP really, which is to you know if somebody hobbles into a GP surgery, the GP doesn't go right, sit down, you're having heart surgery. It's like okay, let me ask this person a few questions, and the GP asks questions, and even then you're not always exactly like honest, are you? you know, how much did you have to drink last week? Oh. <clears throat> just a couple of it, of units of alcohol. And they're like, really? So they'll check and they'll double check and they ask questions and they might even send you for a test. They might even send you for an x-ray. And I think, look, great salespeople do something similar. And, and what I learned to do in the retail sector was to gather information first before deciding what to do next. And what I quickly realized is that, you know, somebody purchasing a tile or a bathroom, it's not the only decision that they've got to make in their house. They're probably doing some building work. They've probably got some construction work. They've probably got blinds and radiators and other things to think about. So by not getting back to them, I'm just falling down the list of priorities at the end of the day. So, yeah, I, I think specifically when it comes to following up, I think anybody listening to this, I have one rule, and that is to make sure that you never, ever, 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 like ever, um, end a conversation where nobody's sure what happens next. And that could include Ellie. We don't speak again. And that's fine too. So I call that an elegant out. I'm always offering people uh, like to reject me. I, I, I go for rejection. I, I invite rejections early on uh, and go, look, I, there's a couple of ways we can do this. I can follow you up next week and find out uh, what you thought and what happens next. Or we could just call it a day. And I'll never call you again. Over to you kind of thing. <clears throat> and, and often, you know, as long as your qualification process is good at the front end, nobody ever says don't ring me again. But I think um, it's it's all about if you want to be great at following up, you've got to agree what happens next and what happens after that uh, or not at all. And I think that way, at least, at least you're in control of staying in touch with somebody. Because lastly on this, I always say if, if, if somebody's gone cold on you, uh, or you've been ghosted, it's because you went cold on them, or you ghosted them, you know, it's our job to get back in touch with people that move towards us in the first place, not theirs. So, so these systems and processes that you've came up with and that you now teach internationally, Matt, yeah. how did you first start to create these systems initially? Because you mentioned there that you previously worked in retail. Um, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about that backstory, because I know you used to work with, with family, you used to work with your dad and what have you. 
I mean, absolute nightmare of a family yeah. business in many ways. I mean, loads of amazing things, but also, like, when I look back, we were in business together for 16 years, and, um, you know, my dad and my brother, I loved to piece Adam over this weekend, yesterday with mum's birthday, and uh, it was great. You know, it's great to see them and the families. But being in business together was really challenging. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> really challenging at times. Um, and looking back, actually, my, my relationship with both my dad and my brother has really helped my philosophy of sales because I got the best of both personalities. But also, um, it's really helped me teach it. So, like, my dad was one of these guys. Well, firstly, my, da my dad suffers terribly um, with mental illness. He has uh, what's known, I think, well as, as bipolar disorder and also manic depression. And when we first started working together, it was actually untreated and very much out of control. And that was that was really tough. <clears throat> Dad was either like really calm and loving or the complete opposite. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> either uh, to me or parents, uh, my mom, or, but also in business to clients. You know, we used to have like a, we used to have a, a beautiful sort of like old tile shack, if you like three old cow sheds that we used to rent off someone. It was like an Aladdin's cave. But if dad was in what what's known as a bit of a mania, um, it was like the dragon's den. It, it, it wasn't fun. Um, and obviously you've got to look at yourself as well. And, you know, I, I tolerated behavior and obviously what you tolerate you become. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't do a good job of, of, finding a way to to change the situation I was in um and 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 but dad had some great traits as well so when it came to customer service particularly if he's in a mania he would go above and beyond and above and beyond and above and beyond to a point where he'd be knocking on the door at six o'clock in the morning trying to deliver your tiles which sounds great but if you're a, a mom or a dad or a young family like you don't want some bloke with a fag out the side of his mouth. All right, bab, I'm here to deliver your tiles. When you got you get your kids to school and all that. So I would like go, Dad, what are you doing? He'd be like, I'm giving customer service. You don't understand customer service, brother. And of course, it, it was just it was in a bit of a mania. And then there'd be other times where it'd be like, Oh no, you can't knock on the door at six o'clock in the morning. There was never any in between. So and then um, like the great thing about my dad was he he was so focused on the end user on the customer um and that was that was really helpful to learn that was what was great about it what was not so great about it is when it comes to selling um you've got to sell people what they want and what not what they need so because my dad was a tiler some people would walk into the showroom and say things like they look amazing uh i think i might have them you go oh you don't want them oh no you always had a fag you don't want them they're a nightmare to fit they are on your wall and of course, if you say that to someone, they're like, okay, well, I probably won't have them. Now, we had skilled craftsmen who could fit them. So my dad's, tr my dad being like uber truthful, or not uber truthful, but like, I don't know, just putting doubts into somebody's mind when we could solve it was like, it was a nightmare. So there were good, goods and bads. And then my brother, on the other hand, was like, Marcus, like, incredible salesperson, like, really skillful, great negotiator like real fast pace let's get it over the lines get it done and, and what i learned actually from that was that great sales i think probably is 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 somewhere in between 
I think, you know, you, you should have a sales process where people can make a decision slick and quick. Um, but also you should have a sales process that enables people to take take some time, to have some touch points, um, to, to, to have a think about it if they need to. Like, that's okay as long as there's logical next steps agreed. Um, and I think I think what was great about that whole experience is that now my philosophy is, 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 is based on uh, some fears and some concerns. So moving towards fears and concerns with your client early on. Don't leave it till the end. Um, and I learned that from my dad. Uh, look at some of the risks. Look at some of the implications. Look at the obstacles. But do it together in the spirit of if this did come up later on, how would we overcome it? And then to use some of my brother's skills, which is now we've thought about what might go wrong. Let's think about all the things that might go right. Uh, and let's think about the reasons why we should do it now. Uh, and then to formulate, you know, a plan to, to move forwards. And that's actually where I, I create the open with a closed philosophy is what I worked out is when somebody's got a vision and early on in, in, in a bathroom, when they can see it for themselves and visualize it, if we can then create that and turn it into a reality through our service, um, all we've got to do then is give them some options, uh, have different fee options. Uh, a bit like when you go to the car wash, you can have the platinum with the wax and the inside and the outside, or that's 80 quid. Or you can have the gold where it's about 60 quid and you don't get the outside wax. And then you can have, you could just have the vacuum clean for a tenner. What I worked out is once they're attached to the vision and they really want to make that a reality, then our job is to provide the service um, for that to be the the the... the the vehicle, if you like, to get there. And then we just have to give them options like a plane, like a car wash um, for you to choose from to make that your reality. So that's where the philosophy came from. Really. I love that. I love the philosophy and ultimately the processes that have came off the back of it. But one question that kind of sprung to mind a little bit is you were working in quite tense circumstances at times for, for 16 years. I'm not quite sure how you managed that long. I lasted less than six months working with my mum and dad, Matt. So you've... Uh, you beat me hands down there. But I know from my very limited time working in sales all those years ago, how important being in good energy is. And when things are challenging and when you have external influences going on or things that might be um, chipping away at your self-confidence or your, your general well-being, it can have such a detrimental effect to those results. And the amount of times that as I transitioned into management and then senior management within sales, when I would observe other people, whether it be on the phones or and when they're going out in in-person appointments, and they could be doing everything pitch perfect they could be polite their tonality could be great they could be handling objections like a boss but not closing the sale and the only thing they might have been doing differently to the day before is how they're turning up in terms of their energy levels the beliefs the probably yeah. the more internal side of it is that something that you observed back when you were working with family yeah i think one of the one of the when i look back and and you know quite happy to share you know uh, my own sort of mental health journey really Back then, one of the things that I, big mistakes that I made that's obviously turned into a great learning, as I mentioned earlier, was that I tolerated unacceptable behaviour in the workplace. And, um, you know, if my dad was listening to this now, uh, and my brother, we, you know, stuff that we've, we've worked through now pretty much, and we've talked about things like this anyway. But, yeah, the, the, the manic depression and the bipolar disorder, um, you know, at times created like a, you know, very, very unhealthy environment um 
and obviously with it with it being dad as well um it, it, it there's sort of like some other stuff that you don't really want to be falling out with your dad and all that kind of stuff um but yeah i think what one of the things that i learned to do which was not that helpful was on the outside looked like it was all cool but on the inside i'm literally dying inside you know negotiating or selling something or asking questions and my dad's buzzing about in the background and I don't know what you're asking him for. He's never laid a trial in his life and that kind of stuff. And and trying to find a way of masking, masking how I felt. So fair play to my dad, by the way. I'll tell you how we got over it. Um, eventually, my dad realised that he wasn't well. And um, he actually allowed us to, to support his, you know, helping him. And my brother was was tremendous in, in getting him the right help, uh, mental health help. But as you probably know this, Ellie, in, in our country, What's really weird is someone can be really quite unwell mentally, um, but if they don't acknowledge or want help, it's like it's really difficult to find um, a GP initially or somebody that can can help you out. So uh, we actually went went through that period of time, but eventually Dad Dad got the help they need. He got some drugs. He took a drug called lithium, which mm. was a, a game changer for us. It must have been so difficult for him because it literally changed his personality. And and instead of him being up or down, he, he sort of found this middle space. So great credit to him. And 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 uh, after nine years, we actually ended up buying him out in what was a great deal for everyone. So that's how we got through it. But going back going back to your question, um, yeah, I think what I realise now is um, the number one thing that great salespeople have to have, in, in my opinion, is a reason. A purpose for doing what they do and then the second thing is like they have to be in control of their own state you, you have to be in control of your own energy because um sales people are not meant to be the judge uh, i see sales people as a conduit we're we're there to um assist somebody that wants to get the end result um, and create an experience, be the guide, if you like, through some simple steps to enable that person to make an informed buying decision or not. And, and that's our role. So I think I think what I teach is, and, and this is an incantation, by the way, um, it's a personal incantation, and I share it and teach it all the time. Uh, the way, the energy I'm looking to achieve as a professional salesperson is soft spiritual energy with sharp skills. Like I'm not there to judge. I'm not uh, going to make it all wrong. I'm not going to try and get you to buy my product. It's got to be your idea. You've got to want to buy it. It's got to, you've got to want to invest in it. Because, look, if you ask me why I think you should buy it, I, I could talk until the cows come out. But ultimately, you should be able to describe to me in great detail why you're going to invest in my product or my service or whatever it is you do, you know. And, and I, think, I think the way you do that is to create an energy of uh, total transparency, like non-judgment. So when you go into a sales call, you've got to get rid of all your hindering thoughts, all your assumptions, all your presumptions. Like you're not there to judge them. You're there to help them if they want help. And that, that is like the, 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 those two things are like what they're the core foundation of, of everything I teach. Because if you haven't got them, you know, if you're, I'll give you a great example of this. The number of people that, decide before they even make the phone call whether you can afford it or not without ever seeing your bank statements well i think it's a pandemic there are two pandemics there's the one we know about and there's the one where salespeople 
think they know how much money you've got or how much you haven't got. And they think they know all about you. And they've made like all these decisions about you before they even ask. And that is what I call rigor mortis. If you're a, a salesperson and you, before you even pick up the phone, have made all these decisions about the other person, well, you're going to, you're going to fail. So it's simple as that. I think that you've hit the nail on the head because without the belief, if you go into a shift, a sales you know shift with that misconception, yeah. then that will become your reality, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And you know what's really ironic, and I've never really taken the time to step back and think about it until you were you were talking about this, Matt. But the reason I left sales all those years ago, um, 20 years ago, maybe slightly less, was because my sister, I don't know if you know this, she's um, bipolar. And we were, I was based in England, based in Doncaster. My family were all based in Scotland at the time. And she was having one of her um, episodes. And going back to what you were saying, trying to get her sectioned, which people listen to this, but like, why what? would you try to get somebody sectioned? It was an absolute nightmare. We actually did have the support of the GP, the family GP, who could see she was clearly unwell. Um, we also had um, the police backing us up because, as you know, well, um, as you may know, um, people, when they're having an episode, can behave quite inappropriately. They can do things that are very out of character. Um, we even had the police taking my sister up to the hospital at the time and saying, look, this girl's clearly unwell. She needs sectioning. If you don't section her, we're going to have to arrest her. And we can see that that's not the correct course of action. But yeah. for her own safety and for the safety of others, please, can you section her? You're battling against the system. The, the hospital wouldn't section her. Um, I was very much working um, in the double glazing industry I was working to sort of nine o'clock at night Saturdays and Sundays and at that period of time my family very much needed my support so I needed to get a nine to five Monday to Friday so that I knew what hours I was working and travel back to Scotland and be that sort of support network and actually that's when I, I turned my back on personal development, all your Tony Robbins stuff, the the beliefs that I'd previously had and held me in good stead, like the Henry Ford quote I just cited to you, that was my mantra, that was up in my wall when I was uh, the area sales manager, whether you think you can or whether you think can't, you're right. But I then started to, to just become quite disillusioned with the world, I suppose, going on antidepressants. I just thought it was a load of happy, clappy American bullshit. And the only thing that changed, the only thing that changed in reality was my perception and yeah. and I just think that that whole belief system that we hold is obviously we do need the systems and the processes and the learnings but ultimately if you if you you could go and do all of your training and have these processes and things but without tapping into the mindset um yeah. you know genuinely you're going to come unstuck and you talk about that a lot and you're you're interested in people do you think that's necessary Matt because you enjoy studying people you're very interested in human psychology why we do what we do and unpicking that do you think that you need to have that passion in order to really become world-class at something yeah i think it's a good question i mean just flipping back if i can really quickly my I, i've been sorry that you had to go through that i i've been there with dad with the whole section process and also my cousin god bless him um dan he he was um schizophrenic and uh we went through the whole getting sectioned and and that was just such a tough process everybody going through that it's it's so hard, but you, I suppose you've got to see it through the prism of, of the person who's suffering, really. But, yeah, I think um, just going back to what you were saying, Ellie, um, my first boss, a guy called David Hodgson, used to have a, a picture of a seagull behind his head on the wall, 
And it used to say they can because they think they can. It was a seagull flying. They can because they think they can. And I was 18 in the photocopying industry when I first met this guy. He's still, a, still alive now. He's a great mentor of mine, great man. Big Lancastrian. And uh, I remember thinking, what, what does that actually mean? And as I've started to teach sales and become, as you say, more interested in the psychology behind all this stuff, I realized that we create what we speak. And um, that amazing quote that you came up, I never knew, like you, I never knew any of these quotes. I never knew any of this was out there. I was so switched off and closed to the world until I met Nick James, really, and, and started to come into this, I don't know what you'd call it, event space. But like meeting somebody like you, for example, is a good example, Ella. So, um, yeah, I think one of the words that I found to support, I thought I've got to study this a little bit more. And I spent quite a few weeks looking at the psychology of sales and uh, belief systems, all the things we've just talked about. And I found a word in the um, in the dictionary that we all know and love called abracadabra. And I was like, I couldn't believe it was linked to, like, we create what we speak. So when I started to look at abracadabra, I got down to the, the sort of underneath it all. And it's, it's like Hebrewic, Arabic, ancient Hebrew uh, word. And, and it kind of, a summary of it is is that you create what you speak, a summary of it. Um, and interestingly, you see, what, what I've found is that there are a large majority of salespeople, professional salespeople, operate within small, medium, and large organizations who have a set of beliefs, and I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, that are just wrong. They just are wrong, where they literally have... I've built a, almost like a wet coat of excuses and assumptions and presumptions, and then like walking around like this. And what I what I've learned is that a good example of this: if you go into, let's say, a, a, a sales phone call, and you can't see the other person, you can only hear them. The only thing they've got to go off when they hear you is your tone. So if your energy is say a seven out of ten, and you've already decided, oh you know, they're probably not going to be able to afford this and, you know, so I've had a crap week, it's been a shit week and, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll give them a call but they probably won't even answer anyway. You know, Anyway, here we go. Like the moment they hear you, like, hello there, appreciate it's more than you want to spend, it's just a quick call, I'm not trying to bother you. How's things at your end? Did you, did you get me email? No. And like the whole start is so bad. It literally would be like watching Usain Bolt do a race and like lie on the floor when everyone else is in the press position. It's like they get off to such a bad start and they're so fearful and they're so negative. It, it just, it, it's like a domino effect of, of bad shit. It's like nothing good's going to come of it. And again, you have one of those seven out of 10 discussions and it normally ends with, sounds great, pop it on an email, I'll put you on file. I'm like, do not put me in a file. Why would I want to go in your file? No, don't. I'm like kicking and screaming not to go in there. So but the, the opposite is this. It's like have a reason why you're having a conversation. Have a clear outcome. Like, hey, I do have a reason for calling you today. It's a very specific reason. Like the last time we spoke, we were a great match. I didn't get back to you. So I owe you an apology first. I'm sorry. Here I am. What would need to happen for us to do some business together? Boom. Like somebody will love you for that for being that transparent and that focused. Um, and that's, that's what I teach.
So I love that. And that would work with me because I hate, I mean, I'm a great one for building rapport. If it is authentic, this is the thing. And and actually, I was just going to ask you about that because you're talking about how important that initial communication is. If somebody rings me up, in fact, I had an example of this last week. There was some young lad um, knocked on the door. He's trying to get me to sign up for milk and some other organic products to get delivered. I'm telling you now, add a bot. I was really happy with the the products, the pricing and everything else. But this guy was so over familiar. It actually put me off. He was like, how are you? And how are the kids? And I can't do it justice. It was very disingenuous. I just thought, I don't know personally. And please tell me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong with this. But if I've got some stranger ask me about my kids, oh, how old are your kids? And you can just like, I'm like, you, you don't care how old my kids are. That's none of your bloody business. It's like you, you need to be asking if I'm vegan or not. And if I want some bloody milk and tell me what the, the, the advantages of your organic milk are compared to Tesco's. You know, like I, you don't need to be asking me what my plans for the next two weeks are. Yeah, and I think that's an absolute classic example of um, just somebody who's just not skilled and has had no appropriate 21st century training in 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 sales. It's it's as simple as that. It's like they mean well, they've got good intention. Hey, how are you? How's the kids? How's things at your end? Everything all right? Lovely dress. Oh, that looks lovely. Your hair. It's like seriously. Thank you. <laughs> like, can you just leave that stuff alone? It's like, what are you doing? And I think I think this is where look, this is why my training company is growing. Simple as that, because there is another way and it doesn't need to be anything like that. And I think let me answer your question directly. Look, um, human beings, you know this. We are so powerful. and We're so amazing. And we've been given all these skills and we can connect with people like almost instantly um, when we operate in you know, 10 out of 10 energy. Um, when we when we're professional and organized and confident, lots of great things happen. But ultimately, look, I mean, let's take your voice. Your voice is a great example. If you think about this, Ella, if if you lived on a desert island for a hundred years on your own, can you imagine that this year? But if you did, you don't actually need a voice. You don't need to speak out loud. You could hunt for octopus in the sea on your own, and you could say, you can say it in your head like you could go and get coconut you could say it in your head like our voice i believe was given to us as a gift and and like it's a gift for other people so that they can hear what's going on inside really and i think like your, your voice can connect instantaneously and as you said earlier it's like there's the disingenuous salesperson and there's the salesperson that is natural and would ask you like normal, not rapport questions, but you just, you're having a conversation like you normally would when you meet someone and you're being polite. So yeah, I think I, I think we connect really quickly anyway. Um, and actually the best way to think about this is the opposite. You know, when you instantly don't connect, mm. it's and isn't it? We used to call it when I was little, which was about 11 stone ago. Um, uh, we used to call it giving somebody the heebie-jeebies, mm. right? And um, um, bang, like, oh, I don't like that person. You could feel it. Well, the opposite's true as well. It's like a magnetism. It comes through this part of your body. It's like, bang, you connect with someone instantly through tone, through physiology, through energy, whatever you want to call it. It's not woo-woo. It's the way it works. You can sense danger 
immediately and you can move towards good energy immediately as well this this stuff is going on all the time what i do is i just create a bit more awareness about it so people know it's really interesting so on the flip side of that matt how do you go about setting boundaries i'm just thinking back to 16 17 year old delhi i used to be there getting the phone you know slammed down on me multiple times uh, old people were historically the worst but we used to get some real sweeties as well and i was just um, no, gullible's the wrong word. I, I, I've always just been a bit of a softie, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, thousands of people going, I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm editing that a bit out. But I'd literally, be, I'd be ringing these old dears, and sometimes they're telling me that they would be so happy to have a phone call because nobody's rang them other than telesales people. They'd be telling me how their family don't come to visit and this and that. I used to feel so sorry for them, Matt. I used to take their numbers and I used to ring them on my breaks. I used to ring them after my shifts. I was so terrible at setting boundaries. And, and in latter years as well, you know, and as a business owner, I think we're pretty good at setting boundaries now, but certainly in the past, it's that whole thing about putting the customer on a pedestal or putting the the client or the investor in a pedestal and almost bowing down to any list of demands that they might have given in order to get the sale over the line or once you've got the sale secured and then they, they perhaps start throwing additional things like finding you're offering all sorts of bonuses and things my personal experience of that not not so much with the old dears but in more of the business context is the more we went over and above to put on these added extras for people, the less they seem to appreciate us and value us. And, and actually, we almost um, depositioned ourselves rather than delivering the Rolls Royce service that I thought we were doing. Yeah, I get it. I, I love that. And, and look, look here's, here's how I operate. I, I believe that it should be equilibrium. There should be um, an equal respect between both parties um, both parties should be on the same side. There shouldn't be a table in between the negotiation. It's like I said it earlier. It's a collaboration. It's look, you you move towards me for something. So first of all, let's identify what result would you need to get from me that you're not getting now. Uh, help me understand that. Uh, and by not getting that, what are the problems? If you can understand that first, then you can decide whether or not from the information gathered. <coughs> and that's what I think sales is. <coughs> gather information first. And then and only then, if you feel like both parties are a good fit and we can both get a great result, a good win for them, a good win for you, good win for the universe, everybody's winning, um, then that's the time really to stop selling, stop, present the options for them to choose from, ask more questions, get all the questions out of the way. And once there's no questions left, exchange contracts if everybody's going to win. So like from, from my point of view, that's actually quite an easy philosophy to follow um and and i think i think if you can if if you can just get to the point as a salesperson where you realize it's not your job to try and talk someone into it or to sell something to them every time um that everything changes then it's your job to find out whether or not you've got something that's going to accelerate a result solve a problem get them something that they haven't gotten out could be an experience it could be a, a um it could be overcoming a problem a fast win whatever it might be but then it's important that it's good for everyone. And look, I always say this in all my live trainings. I go, stand up if you like to be controlled. And everyone sits down. Like Nobody likes to be controlled. So like, there's nothing worse than a salesperson who's trying to control you and talk down to you. But there's also nothing worse, as you rightfully said, than an end user who's trying to get absolutely everything in their favor. And actually, what it's an interesting lesson. But being subservient and submissive 
doesn't work in sales. And, and being commanding and overpowering doesn't work in sales. And this is why that lesson that I learned with my dad and my brother, that there is, there is actually a, a something smack bang in the middle. And that is um, what we just talked about. That is that both parties um, get what they want and come out the other end even stronger. That's the place to be. That's the sweet spot. Yeah, I, th I think it's a very powerful point because it is very much about that end user and it's, it is very much about a win-win. And something that really helped me get out of my own head with public speaking in particular was, I think it was something Simon Sinek might have said, that people, firstly, by and large, the vast majority of people want you to succeed with public speaking, whereas in their head, we're just like, oh, what if I do this? What if I make a mistake? What if I fall over? What if I forget everything I'm going to say? But by actually, even though you're doing that because you want to deliver a good speech and you want to impact people, what you're actually doing unwittingly is you're making it all about you and you're not making it about your potential audience. And I think that's kind of what you're saying with regards to the sales as well. If you know that you've got a valuable product or service and you can accelerate someone's growth or you can enhance their business with your product, then by doubting your own abilities, you are genuinely doing that person a disservice and you're making it about you. You're not making it about them. You're not making it about the offering. Love it. And, and honestly, you've just like, you've just lit me up inside because, again, I think one of the big things that I teach that seems to be so different to what's out there um, is, is that great salespeople, it's, you must make it all about the end user when you're selling so ask them about themselves, but not like, like, how's business and how are things going at your end? It's like, find out helpful information that's got relevance to the product or service that you've got, that when implemented or used in their business might get them better results or not. And it's like, it, it's so important to, to ask and understand and to commit to listening. It's such a, such a powerful skill that so, so few salespeople genuinely are looking to, to listen it's to be inquisitive and understand first before trying to influence it, persuade them to go where you want them to go. I call that uh, get energy. So, yeah, again, it's you know, from my point of view, I'm like, look, stop talking about yourself. There'll be a time. Uh, look, let's let's face it. 21st century. If somebody's going to do business with you, there's a bloody good chance that they've checked you out. They've probably been on a website. They've probably looked at your YouTube channel. They've probably looked at your you know, they've probably checked you out a fair bit before they even got to you, which is part of the sale. You know, a lot of the sales done by the time somebody gets to you. So, like, if somebody moves towards us, the first question I go is, like, what have you seen that you like? How do you think we could help you? And, and that's me asking them about them, not me saying, hey, we're the greatest sales training company in the world. And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, you switch people off so quickly. We, we've all got a mate. We've all got a mate from our past that we don't see as much now. When you go out for a beer or a glass of wine or lunch or whatever it might be, they just talk about themselves. But they always ask questions at first that you think are designed for you. So they'll go, might say something like, um, are you going on holiday this summer? And you go, yeah, we're going to Spain. They go, well, we're going to America and then we're going there and then we're doing it. And it's like, so you ask that question really to talk about yourself. And salespeople that are shit do this all the time. And they just start like spewing their guts with all their features and advantages and benefits. And like, oh, you're just being talked at. And it's just not how you're meant to do it anymore. So, yeah, like number one rule, 
qualify. Second thing is, like, what I mean by that is, do I have something that this person might possibly be interested in, yes or no? And then the second thing is, find out about them. What do they know about your product or service? What result would they need to get from your product or service for it to be a great investment? And then, and only then, talk about us, like what would happen next. And that's, that's again, that's, that's my philosophy. It's the way I've always done it. I love that because you've obviously got key questions and ways to sort of maximize the conversation, making sure you're asking open-ended things and obviously trying to get the information that you need to make the decision or to be able to assess whether it is a win-win situation. But you said there something that was hugely valuable because you're talking about how important listening is. And we've got two years in one mouth, that ratio for a reason. And yes, we do want to, you know, you've got to be personable, not necessarily even charismatic, like we said earlier, if you're doing a, a sales role. But I believe that the true skill comes from the listening. And it's not too dissimilar to the the podcasting. I said jokingly earlier, I've got my list of questions that I always ask and very rarely do I get around to them because when I'm chatting with somebody and they say something that's interesting, then I want to inquire further about that particular thing or I want to double down and I've got no way of preempting what you might say. And if I'm just sat here with some sort of linear 10-step process or these are the questions I want to ask, then you're missing out on opportunities to double down on rapport and genuinely connect or get you to go into more depth or add more value. So I think that can be something that sounds really simple, but if you're just constantly thinking about what you need to get through that script or you know yeah. you're not you you're just not optimizing that whole experience for both parties couldn't agree more and i think the number one word you just said there and i think we picked up on it earlier experience remember you're meant to be easy to buy from like it's it's meant to be a nice experience when somebody moves towards you like you said earlier about the the the, the person who knocked on the door you'd actually got some interest but then just never found out what that interest was like, you know, what information do you need about our products or service so you can make an informed decision? That would have been a helpful question. Um, you know, I bought a house a couple of years ago. I'm sat in the top floor of it now. And, and it's a you know long-term purchase for, the, for a family home. Not one single agent asked me, other than money, what kind of home are you looking at? It's all about what's your budget, where do you want to move, what's the location? No, no questions, just no, no, nothing, no, no experience questions, no emotion questions like, what what's the what's the reason for the home what kind of home give me a vision of the perfect home and i'll go and find it for you like when somebody does that that's how you build up trust because just that skill alone of being a professional salesperson asking some questions that might help us all get what we want that builds trust and rapport naturally you know so i think i think you are right like it's the little things that we're doing in in the communication listening asking genuinely looking to understand and um, they're the things that stand what i call elite closers out from bog standard um sales people and one one thing ellie just to finish on this subject <clears throat> i have always used uh, and employed the skill of asking questions and then repeating information that i've heard that i think i need to explore back to somebody now again um I, when I started teaching it, gave it a name. I call it the bullseye mirror technique. So um, it wasn't like some little stupid technique that I was using. It was just something that I observed that when I asked someone a question like, other than money, give me a, like, give me the vision of your bathroom. And they'd be like, oh, I want it to be spacious. 
And I said, what do you mean by spacious? Well, that would be a good example of me using like a word that they've used and then trying to really understand it. And um, as I've developed this um, technique that I teach, it's, I actually call it punt with a Q. And that is a system, a sales system to follow whilst having a natural conversation to ensure that you, you gather the information that's going to help both parties. And that's a good example. And um, as I've studied this a little bit more, as my business has grown and I start to understand what I teach and how I teach it, I found out that the FBI use what I call the bullseye mirror as an interrogation technique. Like literally, um, like honing in on words and phrases and statements that your clients say to you and repeating them back in a question to commit to understanding is an absolute game changer for salespeople. And you know, anybody listening to this, give it a go for a week. Like when you say spacious, what do you mean? You know, if somebody says to you, I'd love to save some money, like how much money? Just find out because otherwise what happens with salespeople is they hear something that's like a scintilla of interest and then bang, off they go with the big pitch and the big features and benefits and all the reasons why you should work with them and how this, this, and this, and that, and the other. And they've lost that moment to just listen and understand. And I think, you know, it's it's a great point you made. And that's what that's why we teach the bullseye mirror to understand people when you're selling. I love that. I love the bullseye approach. I tell you who would have been an excellent uh, client for you, Matt. I reckon my dad would probably be the best salesperson to ever grace the planet. He, he's very much like yourself. He can find a common denominator with absolutely anyone, you know, and he treats everyone the same. A lot of people say that they do that, but my dad genuinely does that. You know, whether he was, he could be speaking to royalty or the guy that sweeps the streets it makes absolutely no difference so we got married in 2010 out in Antigua and there was one of these huts where you go and get your non-motorized sports there was non-motorized little mini catamarans or canoes or whatever you fancied and the guy that used to distribute the boats and what have you was ignorant he was so rude you go every morning good morning uh, <laughs> grunt at you so I'm there day two good morning <laughs> by day three I'm just like Canoe, please. You know, just sort of ignorant. <laughs> that. Um, my dad. So he came back. We're about 10, 11 days into the two-week holiday. My dad came back with the biggest smile all over his face. It's like, you look a bit chuffed with yourself, Dad. What is it? He was like, cricket. So what's cricket? What are you talking about? He's like, that was the thing. Cricket. He was like, every day I've been going and trying to find a common denominator, trying to find something to establish a bit of rapport with this miserable twat. And on day 11 or what have you of the 14 day holiday, he, my dad had said to him, oh, and do you like cricket? That was it then. The guy was chat, 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 chat. Completely different guy. His energy was totally different. Smile all over his face, chatting with my dad. And I just thought, wow, if you were to apply that tenacity to a sales environment, you really would be world-class, wouldn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't. I think it's interesting. Look, I honestly don't think, and this it sounds a bit weird, sounds a bit harsh. Look, in business, we're not, we're not there to be friends. Um, we're not there to like, you know, How's a family? How are you? It's like I've got my friends for that. Um, but at the same time, if if your natural character is to be inquisitive and to be polite and like, how are you doing? And like I, I honestly believe you should you should be yourself in sales. Be as natural as you can. It's not meant to be spoken mirrors. It's not meant look, if you're a naturally inquisitive person, be inquisitive. If you're a little bit more standoff and process driven, 
be process driven but remember that like how the experience that you create is what people remember the most you know a large majority of the sound is, is emotion you know 20 percent is logic the rest is the experience the emotion um and, and and the experience we create between you know the parties two parties two people two businesses whatever it might be so yeah look the more natural you can be um and i always say loosen up a little bit like you don't have to follow like these exact scripts and words it's like of course you need structure of course you need to have a reason why you're asking but at the same time loosen up a little bit you know be 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 yourself a little bit more and and just what I teach is, is a structure, almost like a spinal cord. But in between the spinal cord, you and your personality has to be there. It should look your sales process should be in line with your company's purpose, your company's values, your own values. Like have rules that you that you operate in. But please show up, show up as a pro, show up as a natural, and. Look, at some point, you've got to come out from behind the computer. You can't keep sending emails to people um, because they can't hear you. They can't experience you. They can't feel it. They can't tell where it's really coming from. So I always say, like, get use your voice, uh, use Zoom, go face to face, have powerful conversations in your own natural skin. Don't put on your telephone voice. Hello, Matt Howell here from the Elite Closing Academy, just a quick call, not trying to sell you anything, appreciate you're probably busy, and it's probably more than you want to spend. The last time we spoke, you said you might possibly be interested. Did you get my email? Like, don't do that shit. Like, just be yourself. Hey, how you doing? Reason why I'm calling you is because, you know, just say it as it is, and I think you'll be amazed um, uh, just how much the 21st century, with busy, buyers just want, like, what is it you got? Let's talk about it. Give it me as it is. Um, I'm not stupid. And I, and I think you'll be amazed when you when you get into your sort of your own skin and you bring your personality to the table. I think you'll be amazed at how um, how quickly um, things move and, and, and how quickly, how warmly you're received. You know, pe- people love authenticity, being raw, being yourself. There's a serious requirement for it. Um, human-to-human communication, it's all text and email. Like, you got to get out there and you got to use your voice and, and use your personality as far as I can tell. Matt, you're clearly paving the way for how sales is done in this country. You know, to have got from naught to a seven-figure business within less than four years, what you're starting to achieve, and I say starting because I know the sky's the limit, it really is um, absolutely phenomenal. But just to leave you with one of the strategies that really worked for me back in my Haiti when I was a, a sales manager. Friday afternoon, sales were a little bit down. The room was a bit flat. Something needed to change. The usual motivational techniques were falling flat in her face. So Ellie comes up with a great idea, doesn't she? Don't know why I'm speaking about myself in third party. But anyway, I went to the shop, didn't I? Bought a shitload of booze. (laughs) Decided I was going to incentivize the staff. Every time they got a lead, they were able to have like a glass of whatever it was, Prosecco, wine, shots. And Matt, 
I've got to say, it worked so effectively. The quality of the leads was great. The volume was fantastic. I was saying pissed. <laughs> so I tell you where the big problem was. This was 20 plus years ago, may I add, in my defence. The problem was, I thought, we'll do the same for the evening shift. This clearly worked. Some of the staff were on double shifts. So the ones that were in in the afternoon that were also there in the evening, it got out of hand. We had dancing <laughs> on the table. It was carnage. I'm going straight to uh, I'm going straight to pick up a load of booze on the way to work today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the future. Um, right, Matt, I could talk to you about this stuff all night, but I've got to respect your time. You're clearly a man on a mission. Um, what does the future hold? What is the mission for you, Matt Elwell? Yeah, great question. So right here, right now, um, the, the major mission has been, well, look, our number one purpose in the Elite Closing Academy is to develop people. So that continues to be... The number one thing when people work with us, I've, I've got, you know, uh, my, my, in my academy members and people that come to my training, our, our purpose is to develop people, first and foremost. That's never going to change. That's something that we're really focused on. And that means that means a lot to me personally. The second thing is literally we are working on it right here, right now. Um, how, how do we take what we do in in a live training centre in the heart of England and and create the same experience online, and and we've just put a you know a big shift in over the last sixteen weeks, um, and we've created a a, a, um, a launch loop. It's 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 a series where where people can um, that that are interested in learning how to become even better at sales, and to be the most professional they could possibly be in in uh, their sales skin. Um, you can you can get involved. There's quizzes, there's uh, live trainings, there's all kinds of stuff about how we do it. And I feel like my team have, have really done an amazing job of, of creating the experience, even though it's online, um, as close as it can possibly be to, to being live in the training centre. So that's the big focus is to exactly what you said. Um, keep getting the mess out, message out there that sales doesn't need to be pushy and sleazy and persuasive. In fact, it should be the complete opposite. It should be totally transparent, um, a, a, a key expert, a great experience for somebody that's shown an interest in you. Um, and there should be a simple method, some organisation that allows you and your team to be totally natural, to take someone from like cold to sold following a repeatable pattern whilst allowing for human to human interaction. So that's the that's what we're doing. That's what it's all about right now. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's just worth mentioning to anyone who's interested in learning more about what Matt does or working with Matt and his team in the future, I'd highly recommend them. Um, we're actually going to put a, a special link in the show notes. So um, make sure you click on that. I'll have a on a mission um, reference and the team will look after you if they know that you're from the podcast. So by all means, reach out to Matt and the team. And we look forward to having you back in the future to see how, how world domination is going for you, Matt. Thank you. And I think lastly on that, um, one of the things that that I'm, you know, I'm really passionate about is is giving people the opportunity to consume some of our information. And again, you know, look, we we wouldn't want anybody to move towards us where they don't like our values, they don't like the way we operate, they don't like our information. So, you know, I wrote a book in 2017. I started it in 2017. Took me a couple of years to do. And my only intention really was to. I wrote it as a gift, as a tool <clears throat> to salespeople. It's like, how do I sell? What do I do? And how can I present it in, in a book to people? 
and and that's been it's been really humbling. So again, you know, the book's there for for people to check it out. If you don't like reading, and I'm not the fastest reader in the world, you can listen to it on Audible. Um, but it's just like consume some information. If you feel like um, it, it, it falls in line with how you want to operate in sales, um, then you can check us out a little bit more. So hopefully we'll make it as easy as possible for people. Oh, I love it. And that's the premise of everything that you teach. What a great way to end. Matt, you're certainly a man on a mission. You've been a great guest. You provided so much value. And I know the listeners are going to love you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Take care. That's it for today. And thank you for listening to On A Mission with Ellie Mackay. If you've enjoyed today's content, please hit the like and subscribe button and share it with anyone you feel would benefit from hearing it.